Yes, people, welcome to episode 224 of Darren Griffith's Brain Dump. Um, it's my brain dump. It was Griff's brain dump, but I'm still Griff, and I'm Darren Griffiths. What? What's going on? Listen, as I said at last week's episode, um, there's another comedian who's got my name. I've got his name. Who knows? Who's been going longer? Who's older? I've been going longer. He's older. Doesn't matter. Point is, he goes by the stage name of Griff. I go by Darren Griffiths. It's my name. Um, and I just thought, do you know what? It'd be just easier to just separate the two if I tried to remove Griff from all of my kind of public facing projects and things. So it's Darren Griffiths, brained up. Um, I don't think that's going to be hard to get used to. <laughs> it's just my bloody name. Um, but yeah, it's episode 224 of Darren Griffiths, brained up. And uh, it's me, Darren Griffiths, obviously. Um, I still call myself Griff. You can still call me Griff when you see me. Don't worry, I'm not going to be offended. It's fine. It's just, um, it is what it is. There's, uh, don't worry, there's no legal action going on. It's nothing crazy like that. I just thought it would just be easier for people to separate the two. Not that any people listen to this, listen to him or see him or vice versa. But I just think it's just the best thing to do. Now, my... Um, social media handles I changed them for literally one day and then what happened is I went onto Google and I googled myself like all normal people do and um, I saw that under results it still showed my old handle and it kind of annoyed me that my handle wasn't there um, and probably if I just waited a few days you know the system would all work itself out and work its way through but I, I just couldn't wait those few days <laughs> It was it was annoying me that if I went if someone was going Google Google me see my Instagram and then click on it it would say user not found that annoyed me because it would make it look like I've just deleted my Instagram and I just quit comedy and I didn't want that to be even just for one day I didn't want that to happen and that sounds extreme but listen on that day someone came from my website to book me for a private gig you see so. SEO, your search engine optimization. I, I've done too well with that. If you type in my name, just my name on Google, you'll see that the whole front page is just me. There's, it's even got the little, um, no, little kind of box thing that you get has that little write up of who the person is. Even as that with me now, which is great. Um, so I was like, I've worked too hard for my SEO to just mess it up with some bum links on the front page. So I was like, nah, change it back, get it right back. And uh, that's what I did. So yeah, that's all very interesting. Um, well, what's going on this week? What's been going on? Um, the world isn't open up yet. That's happening tomorrow, or I guess when you're listening to this today. Um, what are you gonna do? You're gonna run outside, go hug your mum. What are you gonna do today? I am gigging on Tuesday and Wednesday so doing gigging on Wednesday it's a paid gig on Wednesday right like there's paying audience um I don't get paid for comedy ever just you don't ever know who's listening <laughs> and um and if well, I do get paid it never goes over the threshold of um of you know when you need to start paying tax Never has, and when it does, then I'll declare. But um, anyway, the point is, I love comedy. I do it for free. 
no, the real point I was making is so the the gig on um on Wednesday when it's a paid gig and the audience are paying it and there's money being exchanged, you feel like there needs to be um a certain standard. Like there has to be a certain standard that like you just you can't just be going trying out jokes. So I think Tuesday will be just blasting off the cobwebs, get those off. And then Wednesday, I have to come with my A game, even though it's the third day into lockdown being done, which really means me gigging the night before. Um, the chances are everyone else is on that lineup. They may, if they are really on it, they may have gigged Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They may have even doubled up on those days. So they might be like five gigs in, and this is their sick for this blasting off the the rust completely whereas i'll be only two gig well this will be my second gig back um so it'll be interesting it'll be interesting will i try new jokes will i just try to go back to old i think what do I, i'll just try to be loose i'm gonna try and be as loose as possible on stage just be like look on the level of you crowd this is my second gig back all right uh like lower your expectations i don't know how much you've been charged to come here tonight but this is not going to be a great <laughs> it's not lower your expectations okay just just know whatever you think i'm gonna say think of something just a little less funny than that then i'm gonna say something less funny than that i'm pretty sure if i start on that vibe the crowds be like oh okay we like this guy but now I'm just going to slip into autopilot. It's weird. I haven't said these words, these jokes together for ages. I'm just going to feel nuts saying the same jokes I said like before the lockdown. It's going to be crazy. I'm going to have to, um, yeah, we'll see. I'll have to do something new. I have to do new stuff because I'll, I'll just get bored. Or even if I tell a joke that's old, I'll probably just break the fourth wall and just say, look, this wasn't even the other day. I'm saying it was the other day. It, it wasn't the other day. This happened before lockdown. But, um, yeah, so what, what have I been doing? I bought new garden furniture. I uh, bought... Um, so I think if this is since the last podcast. So bought a box, like a... So don't have space for a shed. So we've got a box that the lawnmower goes in, which is annoying because, like, the Sunday... The Saturday last week, it was really hot. Would be the perfect day to mow the lawn, but I hadn't. One, I didn't own a lawnmower um, at that point, so couldn't mow the lawn. And then it's literally rained every day since, and I haven't been bothered to Google whether you can mow a wet lawn. I bet you probably can. It's probably like an old school thing that we've inherited to say you can't mow a wet lawn. Um, you probably can, and probably all modern lawnmowers you can do it now with absolute ease. But um, I've always had it in my head, you can't mow a wet lawn. So I'm just not doing it. Um, and so because of that, this water, the grass is getting nicely watered and just growing, growing really well. <laughs> growing really well. It's not just grass. There's some new plants growing in, in the lawn as well. I'm like, brilliant. I need to get rid of that. So I've got a box um for the lawnmower got new table and chairs as well with a parasol had to build that yesterday do what trying to assemble i keep saying build trying to assemble um a dining table that has a glass surface 
it's pretty scary stuff metal and glass because you're there uh trying to screw this stuff in and it really doesn't bend the way you want it to bend and all you're hearing is just pressure you're just hearing glass push against <laughs> and the glass is push against the metal it's just like jesus just like mm, please do not shatter i know you're tempered glass but for the love of jeebus save me jeebus like do not do not shatter so but it didn't fortunately so got that done I had to drive all over the place as well annoyingly um the the set i wanted wasn't all in one place so the tarpaulin was in um in st albans and then the the dining set and the the parasol were in and those who understand the base of the parasol uh was in luton and i live in neither of those two places so thank god for satnav um and yeah and then then my bloody boot the the lever to put the seat down that wasn't working either um I had to find some fix of how to do that it was hilarious actually the way i fixed it was the same way i managed to assemble the table as well is having a moment of uncontrolled nutcase animalistic anger and then you just fix it see what it is with uh I've read, i i don't think i'm a naturally strong person i'm talking about physically strong you know some people just meet there's physically strong like you remember like you used to do five a side or any kind of football and there'd just be like some african kid who just weren't good at football but he had he had energy and he had the strength and you just didn't know where the strength came from because everything from the outside looked like he was smaller than you but then when you went shoulder to shoulder you ended up being finished <laughs> just finished just strength just natural strength just bam just just in a fence and he's like all right, let's swap teams he's on my team I, I can't have that can't have that in front of, in front of all these people uh yeah so I don't have that. I don't have that natural strength. I can't just focus on something and apply more strength to it. Whereas it, um, angry, same as football, I run faster, um, stronger, can hit harder, jump higher, run faster when I'm angry. And, um, and I'm just way stronger. And so with the car, basically with the lever, the, the, the causes become slack. So you just need to be able to pull it. So I was pulling it and it wasn't working, but I was pulling it like a human being. Then because I was getting so annoyed that it wouldn't work, I literally just grabbed it, um, swore at the boot, called it an FNC, and then just... Uh, see, it's weird. I'd, I would say those words normally, but in a calm disposition, I mean, now that just seems very crass. <laughs> but yeah, just grabbed it. I just yanked it. And then it just popped open. And I was like, ah, there you go. And the same with the table as well. I was trying to get the screw through, uh, not screw, like the bolt through the hole. And it just weren't getting through because of the pressure where the other four, the other three had been locked in. To get this one in, you had to really force it in. And remember, it's metal against metal and it's on a base of glass. I was like, I can't do this. I'm there trying to just apply strength. And I couldn't do it. 
And I was getting really angry. I was getting really hot. Then I threw my jumper off, put my foot through some cardboard boxes. And then uh, went back to it, grabbed it. And then it, I just managed to force the bolt right through the hole. <laughs> it's like, just like that. I just, so it's weird. So I need to find a way of whatever I need to uh, actually deploy strength into something. I guess the trick is not to um, direct your anger at the object. You need to kind of, what I need to do is direct my anger to something else, non-human. Because you don't even end up having to apologise for your anger. So that's non-human and stuff that's allowed to be broken. Yes, because that's what I did in the car. I punched the car seat. That wasn't ever going to help anything. But I just needed something to get the rage out. And then I just focused the aggression onto the cord after. So that the rage is gone, but the aggression is still there. The strength, the increased strength is there. Whereas when I was younger, I think what I would have done is I would have like... Tried to punch the cord. <laughs> or I would have... You know what I mean? I've ended up breaking the dining table, the, the the garden table, by trying to get the thing in the hole. Where I thought, no, don't do that. Focus your anger onto something that's allowed to be broken, something that's breakable, like this cardboard box. Kick that, punch that, get angry. Now go back to it. It's more focused. Yeah, that's what I'm learning as I'm maturing. But like I said, only need that when I needed to deploy more strength. Uh, on something so yeah strange wonder if anyone else has that you have that guys or are you able just to summon up extra strength when you just need to I've got really rubbish grip like if I have to twist something terrible absolute terrible terrible grip and very sensitive hands real alpha male like if I need to open a jar if the jar's too big it will hurt my hand <laughs> it will just at the base of the thumb it just really digs in I was like I'm sorry, babe, I can't open this jar. You're, you're just not going to have jam today. Sorry, no jam. So, you know what I mean? Like, what am I going to do when there's a baby here? When, when she's an actual child and she can actually register what's going on? Like, can you open this jar? I want some jam, please. Like, yeah, sure, you can have some jam, babe. And then, I'm like, dear, I can't open it. Then it's like, right, I need to summon my Hulk strength. But I can't let her see me go full mental. <laughs> I'm going, hey, do we go upstairs and get that toy? She's like, okay. And then that's where I'm going to turn to the cupboard, swearing, like, you fucking punch the recycling. And then just pop that jab open. But like, here you go. Here's your jab. <laughs> Daddy, why is there recycling kicked all over the kitchen? I don't know. <laughs> Shall we tidy it up together? Okay. Yeah, what? <laughs> like, what do you do? But, um, ah. But yeah, but my week, though, that, I guess that's all I've done this week. It's just collected garden furniture. And uh, that's it. Oh, got our loft converted as well. Just for storage. So, been up and down the ladder. Putting boxes in. The hatch isn't any bigger though. So one of the boxes was very hard to get through. And the rest is it's just been absolute Jenga. But it's funny. Even though the ladder says it can take 150 kgs of weight. I'm not. I don't believe you. Um, <laughs> so in my head I've constantly got this premonition. Um, of the ladder just breaking while I'm on it. And me just dropping. 
and smacking the underside of my chin on either the edge of the loft hatch or the ladder as I come down. Don't think I'd break my neck, but just really hurt myself. Really hurt myself. And you know those ones, you know where that pain just goes right through you, into your soul. And people are like, are you all right? And she's like, you can't even get it out. Are you all right there? <laughs> oh dear. I oh, know. Um, yeah, but that's that has been my week. That has been my week. Um, watching the FA Cup final yesterday. You see Leicester win it, beat Chelsea. That's great. When Chelsea lose, football wins. And I was really happy with that. Um, especially with the VAR decision. Just reminded you how much the fans being present make football football because VAR without the fans was just being like oh this is a rubbish decision I mean I hate VAR he's marginally offset, whatever but to see the Chelsea fans be ecstatic when they score and then to see them heartbroken and the Leicester fans celebrate the decision like a goal just reminded me when Spurs played Man City in the Champions League quarterfinals it was, it was that it was just City thought they scored in the last minute they're going through they're celebrating Pep's running down the touchline it's all amazing and then VAR oof and yes, you know, I mean, it's just, oh, yeah, I was great. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, I think that's it. So that's it that's, got, that's been going on in my life. In the world, oh, I guess it's immutable, um, Israel, Palestine. Now, I've just been reading and reading and reading. Like I said, last week was uninformed waffling. This week, I feel like it's way more informed. Um, I've been commenting on things, put my neck out, commenting on certain things. And... Uh, seeing what reaction I get and I don't get any backlash so I'm like alright fair enough you know I me mean? I'm not being called anything for siding with one side or side with the other so that's good I've managed to find the middle ground here um, desperately want to speak to some of these Palestinian though like because I managed to speak to um, a friend from the comedy scene um, I won't mention her name because it was a private conversation and Really appreciate their taking the time out to talk to me. But, so yeah, she's Israeli. Uh, well, she's she's Jewish. She's English. But she says she identifies as Israeli as well. Um, but she has, she has family, live, uh, parents and her like, siblings live there. She lived there for a year. She does workshops out there as well with both um, Jewish and Arab Israelis. Um, very left leaning, very left leaning. It was just interesting just to hear, you know, her explain the the situation from her perspective. What I loved about her explaining the situation from her perspective as well is how she gave me this full disclaimer of who she was. You know what I mean? She had the full disclaimer going right. So my family, they're European um, Jews, um, Second World War left there to come to England she goes but has extended family who've always remained in um in the region as in in let's call it the Levant to be to be neutral the Levant being the area that Israel and Israel Palestine is in um and she says she's worked there for all for a couple of years continuously does workshops and gigs out there and stuff so 
yeah, she was giving me this background as well, just to say, look, just so you just know who I am. And I, was, and I said to her, okay, look, because you've told me that, let me explain to you my perspective on you being a European Jew. I go, okay, so that's like Ashkenazi. And from my perspective, that means that your family, although being in Europe, you're, you know, you're ethnically, you've descended from those who lived in that area before, lived in the Levant before and basically with European Jews you said she just got hounded out of every different <laughs> all over Europe like we can't deny that's the thing that happened before the Holocaust it's there it's there in history that wherever Jews were there would be just some kind of groundswell of emotion as I get these guys out because they're like gypsy peasants to a lot of these other countries yeah and it's funny how that now for me, pers- I, I always have to kind of really, it's not an instinctive thing, I have to really drill it in my head that like Jewish people, they are white, but like whiteness, whiteness is a kind of, it's a political thing, white, being white. And, not, and being accepted as white is an automatic thing. Like now, I think there's more people, you, you've got the most white people that you've, that, that you've ever had. But before, white literally meant, you know, Roman, Anglo-Saxon, you know, that was white. Even within Italy, for example, the north, people from the northern part of Italy were white. People with, like, Sicilian? Nah. You're, you're too dark, your nose is too bulbous, you're, you're not white enough. Seriously, read it up. Same as, like, Spain. There's people with darker skin who they're like, yeah, you're definitely, you've got, like, Moorish ancestry you're a bit darker nah you're looking a bit too you look a bit too arab to us you're not looking quite white enough in america we know for a fact that white was your you know your your anglo-saxon protestant was white irish weren't white italians weren't white polish weren't white and then over time they've all got accepted in which is kind of funny because on the census form in in america if you're arab you actually come under caucasian which is interesting, right? Um, but what I'm saying, whiteness is political. And, and so it's funny that for me, and I think for many people, when you think of Jewish, you think of white. But yeah, if you really think about historically, Jews have always been in white countries and always been marginalised and, um, and worse, and stigmatised in these white countries for being Jewish. So clearly not white enough, right? Um, th- yeah and um, so you know when we was discussing that I was trying to, and, um, and for me like I sympathise with this I sympathise with any ethnic group wanting to, to um, who've, who've been exiled from a place because again they're saying the reason why they got got to Europe was because they were exiled out of the Middle East um, and ethnically cleansed the Mizrahi Jews, those are the ones who are from the Middle East. And you've got your Sephardic Jews who are from North Africa and, and the Iberian Peninsula, so Spain and Portugal. So, you know, they're being exiled out of different places and just moving around and stuff. So they basically move around, set up shop, congregate, and, and that's it. And then we've like seen in nowadays, there's any kind of immigrant population, people just don't tend to like those immigrant populations, especially if they have ways about them that you don't understand as the native population. You're looking at them like, what are they doing? Why are they dressed like they're dressed different? They speak a different language. Mm-mm, no, they've set up shop. How come they've owned that? 
I'm poor, I'm from this area, I don't own a shop, how comes he owns a shop? And it's like, it, it's all that. So we understand what that looks like. Um, so I don't, I sympathise with any group, ethnic group who's been exiled from who wants to return to that place and self-determine and have an independent state. And I, f- I fully got that. And um, so we was just, just discussing just like Israel and its establishment and because I said I understood the history we did we kind of skipped over that and we just kind of just talking about what the present day situation is and there's just certain things that I think just don't get mentioned in the news that are completely overlooked so from that I'm saying from both sides because it makes very dichotomous but from both sides in a sense also on a government level so in Israel They've had their fourth attempt at an election to create uh, a parliament because they have like a president and a prime minister. Netanyahu is the prime minister and I think Shimon Peres is the president. And the president has said to the prime you need to create a new government and they've failed. This is like the fourth attempt that they haven't been able to get a majority government. So what she's saying is what's happening now is what's going to... The, the party that's going to end up swaying the election is going to be an Arab-Israeli um, party. So, I guess that may explain why this government's not really being being formed, right? <laughs> Imagine, if, if you've spent your time going, hey, we can't have any Arabs in power here. This is a Jewish state. And then you're going to actually need to put some Arabs as part of the government. It's one thing being part of the parliament, but actually being part of the government, you're going to be like, ah, sorry, it's not really working out. Um, And she she was explaining that Netanyahu basically justifies his his position as, as prime minister by having this constant threat and fear from Palestine and from the Arab world. So anytime anything happens it can be politicized uh for his benefit to keep to justify him in power and obviously that makes people people get scared when people get scared they get they lean towards the right oh what palestinians are kicking off geez look we definitely need to increase security build a wall we definitely need to right so that that's what so that was something in the present moment with the politics in Israel so you've got a government that's not being formed there and a lack of stability people get scared people get scared it gets tense that's what's happening in Israel in Palestine uh, they Hamas have been running Gaza and they're meant to have an election every four years is what they legislated and they haven't had that election for 19 years which <laughs> which to me sounds a bit like a dictatorship so now imagine if you've got this group that have got power haven't been democratically elected and you haven't had an election since they've got into power you can kind of see how that group of people the palestinians are now looking at the government go what the hell's going on so you've got these two sides in this conflict with two governments that are just sole uh, means of existence is this conflict to keep them in power right because the Hamas the reason Hamas came about is because the PLO who I think Yasser Arafat um, 
was part of uh, passing authority sorry was part of they deemed them too too soft they were making allowances making agreements with Israel it's like nah 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 none of that because we're not down for Israel even existing we need it gone that's Hamas Hamas is like we need it gone that's it that's Hamas not Palestine not Palestinians Hamas has to go and then you've, so you've got that on one side Israel has to go and then you have Israeli government on the other side going really that you see what they're doing so they're both benefiting from this kind of war not more since conflict continuing and obviously the people who suffer are, are the people on the ground the people on the floor just your normal people um what, what else you should explain to me was why there is such a discrepancy in the numbers in the sense of when one side attacks the other so she said that obviously yes israel has a stronger um military but by far has a stronger military has more money has a stronger military um, but even with that in mind, Israel still gives power to Gaza. Um, so, but Gaza, so you know, so they could cut them off. But if because it's not actually a war, they deem the attacks from Gaza as just terrorist attacks, and they don't deem it as like an actual state attack. I guess that's why it's not a war, right? Because you can't, you can't just fight. Yeah, you're having like your wars on terror. Like you can't actually have a war on terror. You can have a war with another country if their government say, "Yeah, we're engaging in war." Um, and she was explaining the discrepancies in the numbers of like deaths, for example, is because in Israel they have a policy that when you build a new development, like a new building, every every apartment, for example, has to have a bomb room, like a room that is just solid, bomb-proof room. So when they know there's a bomb out to, like attacks happening in Israel, they like get to the bomb room. So that's why when you know Gaza launches a rocket, doesn't really do anything. Plus Gaza's rockets don't can't reach the most like populated areas of Israel, really. So they kind of just go into places where there isn't that many people and it's not really doing much damage. And then when they do reach, they have to get past the I think it's the Iron Dome, which is this auto defense system that they have around Jerusalem where just rockets fly up in the air, bam, and just intercepts the missiles. And it kind of does, and admittedly, it does kind of show how hell-bent these guys are at trying to destroy each other because the, the retaliation now... She was saying, she was very, sorry, let me go back to the death tolls. So, obviously, when Israel do a strike on, um, on Palestinian territories, they don't have the bomb shelters there. They don't have the rule to build bomb shelters. So, when a building goes up, people die. Now, Israel's outer statement is that they need to, they want to reduce the amount of civilian deaths, so they give warnings before they drop bombs on suspected terrorist targets. However, these terrorist targets tend to be in highly populated areas. So you can decide who's right, who's wrong. Let's 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 say that everyone's being honest. So let's say that Israelis being honest in this situation that actually the targets are in Palestinian areas 
are in highly populated areas and that Hamas hide behind human shields. Let's say that. And that the Israeli government tell them, hey, look, we're going to bomb, so evacuate the area. That's very nice. However, here's the thing. When you bomb a populated area, bombs don't tend to just stay in one place. They explode. Um, and when you evacuate your home, thanks for telling me to evacuate my home. Uh, but now you've raised it to the ground. I need somewhere to live. Now I'm a refugee because you just bombed my house. And thank you again. I don't want you to think I'm ungrateful that you didn't warn me. Um, but I'm homeless now. So to kind of systemically just bomb people's houses to the ground in the look for like one guy. Like I'm looking for one guy, so I'm going to bomb this whole area. Doesn't really make sense. And um, and obviously, if you're on the receiving end of that, you don't really care about your warnings. You're just like, what the hell is this? And um, it's just nuts. It's just this kind of perpetual thing. Um, that just It just keeps on going on and on. Now there's a lot of propaganda from from both sides and um but then there is real suffering for both sides and actually don't want to say it's propaganda for both sides there's real suffering and then there's people that do spin it for whatever political aim they have and, and it seems like the people in power on both sides th- they benefit from there being a continued conflict and it's just it's just tragic and like, I guess from the outside, I've heard it's kind of hinted this last week, that from the outside, we judge countries on the actions of their government. And then we end up mistakenly judging people on the actions of their government. So we look on the outside, we see Israel doing this stuff. And we go, oh, Israel's a terrible place. And it's like, no, because there's a lot of Israelis there who are also looking at their government going, what is going on? Let's stop this. And um, yeah. I just can't see a solution for this place, actually. Can't see one. Unless they have different people in power. And then the attacks just become terrorist, isolated terrorist attacks rather than full-scale military operations that are going on. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I shared a video from Vox, which seems to summarise it all. And it all goes back to the same bloody place, man. Same bloody place, and it's the bloody British. Britain just draw, going around the world drawing straight lines on maps mandates this is the idea right the British mandate for Palestine they had the mandate for Palestine the mandate for Mesopotamia which they changed to Iraq um, it's just brilliant just making deals with these people going alright if you help us we'll help you and they did that to both sides. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Scratch my back, scratch your back. And then in the end, because they couldn't keep the promise to either side, both sides were like middle finger, fuck off Britain. And then, um, so yeah. And then Britain went, oh, all right then, and just left a mess. For example, like when um, the Jews were trying to leave Europe, obviously after the Holocaust, um, the Zionist movements in uh, Europe said, right, we'll have a, t- while we try to get our place in Jerusalem, we'll have a temporary place in Kenya. And Britain were like, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll sort that out for you, we'll give you that, because Kenya wasn't independent, which is a part of Britain, because Britain had a mandate over East Africa. 
you know what I mean? The white man's burden is go around and civilise the world. So they can't govern themselves. I'll govern them. It's just like, what? Just the arrogance of that. I'm having to go to another country and say, oh, we'll govern you. You seem to have no leader here. I'll be your leader. It's like, go away. Go away. Imagine just people having a kick about. And you just come over and like, mm, seems like you have no... No football association here. I'm the ref. I'm the ref now. And um, and I'm determined how many people on each team and who's playing for which team. as well. It's like, go away, mate. Just on the kickabout. We don't even know you. Piss off. Listen, I don't even know the rules of the game you're playing, but I'm the ref. <laughs> go away. Um, I see it just leaves the irony of it's, it's external influences that have caused such a mess. Yet, it's... It's the external has caused such a mess, yeah. And yeah, it's just like it would make it worse if they get involved, but you almost feel like they have to get involved. I don't know, it's a solution for that area, man. Do you go one state? Do you go two state? I feel like one state, the, the way that Israel's expanded into the West Bank makes it only seem reasonable that it could be a one state solution. Like, two state would mean that. If you try to go back to the UN plan, then then you then you're gonna have to just like move people around. Yeah, you're gonna have to displace people from both sides to different areas. Well, actually, I guess you don't have to displace people. You move from both. You yeah, you just establish two states. But I think so. We know that one state has already been existing and running very effectively and well. Since 1947, that's Israel. The other side hasn't been. So I imagine if you end up being uh, Jewish in Palestine, you're going to be like, ah, no thanks. Whereas, obviously, there's quite a lot of Arabs in Israel. I think it's 20% of their population is Arab. So they'll be like, oh, I mean, I guess I could go to the new Palestine that's independent, but Hamas are still running it. So no thanks. So yeah, would the situation be fixed? I doubt it. 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 But I don't know, man. It's interesting. And it's a shame that, you know, I'm in that privileged position where I can just look at such a mental conflict and just go, yeah, it's interesting. I'll end up reading up about the establishment of like Saudi Arabia, how that became a, a thing. I'm just like, that is just nuts. Just how there's um, Hussein. Hussein ran a little area. I can't remember. It's like the Hejaz. It's where Mecca and Medina is. And then he did a deal with Britain to say, right, we want a pan-Arab state that runs from Persia, which is Iran now, all the way to the Mediterranean. And... Britain was like, yeah, we could do that, except for you can't have Syria. You can't have the coast that's on the Mediterranean. You can't have that. But all the rest, being my guest, you can have that. And then when it comes to the crunch, Britain, we're like, uh, I mean, <laughs> you helped us out. And uh, him declaring himself as the kind of 
I think it was like the, the caliphate of the new kind of pan-Arab state. A man called uh, Saud was like, nah, 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 nah. Not in my gaff. And then Saud beat the crap out of Hussein. I say Saud did, his people beat the crap out of Hussein's people and they ran him out of Hejaz. And then he took over Hejaz. And he was from the middle of Arabia. This is nuts. It's like really interesting. He reads this stuff. And then basically to unify all the tribes in Arabia, he just basically married all the women from these different tribes. And then bam, consolidated it all, called it Saudi Arabia. And here we are today. And then literally a few years later, they discovered oil. And he must be like, Jack Potts. I just thought I've got a bloody desert. <laughs> I just thought I've got a desert. Now I've got bloody oil. Brilliant. I don't know what to do with this. Well, I know how to trade these camels and dates. And now I've got oil. Win. Come on. And then he made the smart decision to be friends with America. I mean, I'm trying to think. If I ran a country, if I wanted to establish a state myself, I think that would be the best bet, right? You think, who's got the biggest gun on the planet? Let me be friends with them. And then they will help me establish the state I want. I mean, who's the world police? Put them on side. So I admire those countries that side with Russia and China because, you know, they, they have big guns too. So it's smart to side with them. But America's still world police, man. You need America on side. And I guess that's what's happened with the... In, in in Israel-Palestine is that Israel is backed by the US but then even um, Gaza Gaza got 150 million from the from the US I think a few years ago so who knows seems like US are selling guns to both sides right like they benefit from the conflict so I don't know I don't know I'm just waxing lyrically about this thing that I don't know much about but I just find it all very very interesting all very interesting but yeah give it a read people give it just read it's all it's all there in the public domain just like agreements made by the british and i guess it's weird just trying to think of the world back then it's not the world it is today so it's not britain agreeing with palestine it's britain agreed with just whoever they deemed to be a reasonable person as, as who they deemed to be the head of whatever tribe or interest group there is so even like Britain promising uh, Baron Rothschild, who was part of the Zionist movement in the UK. So he's just basically a, a Jew in the UK who has a movement. It was between uh, this guy called Balfour and, and him. And he said, yeah, we agree that there should be a, a Jewish state in the land that is Palestine. So that's two Brits just discussing that. I mean, Steve Fritz going, yeah, nah, sure, we'll sort that out. Where, where should we build it? Where should we put this land? Right here, there you go, here's a country, we'll do that. And that's not me dissing Israel, the establishment of, of Israel as an idea, as in for Jewish people. It just makes you laugh that it's just two Brits. There's no Palestinians. Well, there won't be Palestinians, but there's no people from that region. Not even Jewish people from that region in that conversation. That's what I'm saying. There's no Muslims, Jews, Christians, or Arabs, or you know, whatever you want to call anyone in that region. 
none of them are there at that meeting. Just two Brits in the UK go, yep, yeah, all right, sorted, agreed, deal. It's just nuts. It's just nuts. It's just how that's how the but that would have made perfect sense in the world. Just destroying empires and building new ones. Just nuts. These people need liberated. <laughs> it's like it serves our purpose. There's one thing Britain loves to do is liberate people when they're a part of a different empire. And they're right history like they're the heroes. We help liberate these people from the disgusting regime of our rivals. You know that? Piss off. But here we are, left with the messes today. And hence we've got civil wars all over the Middle East, all over Africa, all over Asia. It's just groups of people work together. You put the smallest ethnic group in power, so then they hold on to that power at all costs because basically if you put the most populous group in power, what happens is then they just wipe out the small group um, legitimately because they'll just make laws you're allowed to do it. Whereas you have the smallest group in power, they'll hold on to that power. They'll need to hold on so much that the laws they'll put in place will be so nuts. So that's what you tend to find happens in these countries so I remember reading it somewhere it's basically like you'd have like the quarter ultimate disruption it's like you have the police from one side but the army from another and it's just nuts that like you, you just keep it all separate so they're just constantly in this cycle just beefing it's, it's genius but it's psychopathic anyway let's get on um, some dear Deirdre right, I should have brought a drink up here my throat is a dry um uh, Deirdre oh oh dear big yards big yards big yards um okay dear Deirdre my girlfriend and I both want a threesome but can't agree who it should be with okay Dear Deirdre, my girlfriend and I both want a threesome with another man. Oh, God. That's the wrong kind of threesome, mate. I mean, unless you're gay or bisexual, then. But, by all means. Do you, bro. I ain't judging you. It's 2021. Men can love men. That ain't what I was going for. Just saying. But if you are claiming you identify as a heterosexual man, then you, you're doing the threesome wrong. It, the 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 penis to vagina ratio is all wrong. You got two penises to one vagina. That's incorrect, son. That's incorrect, young man. There should always be more vagina than penis in the freezer. In any kind of multiple group sexual activity, there should always be more vagina than penis, or at least equal number. Okay, continue. <laughs> so my girlfriend and I both want a threesome with another man in a hotel now. They are reopening. Is Really? Is that what people are doing? Now hotels reopen. That's what they want to do. I guess you don't want to have a threesome at your house, do you? You don't want people to know where you live. You're going to do this madness. And reopening. But we can't agree whether to invite a friend of mine or a stranger. I've never done this, but for the love of God, make it a stranger. Do not invite your friend. Do you, oh my God. If my friend invited me for a threesome with him and his girlfriend. 
Uh, how do you move forward with that? Like in the sense of if you agree, okay, we agree, and I pam your missus. What happens next time we're we're at the pub together? We're all just hanging out. What if me and her really enjoy it, and you don't? Because like I'm not inter- I wouldn't be interacting with you, mate. You'll be sat on on the sofa and you'll be watching. <laughs> or you might be at the other end. Don't know, but that's that's your that's your missus. What happens when it's your birthday and I have to call your missus to arrange something for you? Like, oh, my head's just—it's a lot. All right, so that's that's me. That's me accepting. Which is nuts. Or let's say I reject it. I, I reject it now. But I now know that you two are on the lookout for that. Uh, again, I want me to sit across you in the pub where I know you're out there looking for another bloke to smash your missus. I, again, I'm I'm baffled by by all of this. It's a lot. I'm literally rubbing my eyebrows as I say this. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, here's the thing. So you two can't decide if... I. So that means one of you wants it to be the friend, one of you wants it to be a stranger. I, I hope it's you who wants it to be the friend. Because if it's her that wants it to be the friend, it's over. The relationship's over. Like, imagine that. You're just like, oh, I think maybe we could have a threesome. She's like, oh, um, okay. Like, yeah, but with a guy. She's like, oh, right. Okay, cool. Because, yeah, I'm not sure if it'd be a stranger or a friend. Like, because if he's going to friend, then it's be Ryan. He's like, what? I didn't finish the sentence. No, I'm just, I just assumed he was going to say, if it was going to be a friend, which friend would, should we have? And I was just guessing you were going to say Ryan. No, I wasn't going to say, right, do you think it should be, what, do you want it to be Ryan? No, no, I, 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 no I'm not saying it sh- should be Ryan. I'm just saying it could be Ryan. That's all. If Ryan is up for it, that mate, if if that's happened, then it's done. She she clearly wanted to smash Ryan from the first time she met you, like in Weatherspoons. <laughs> Don't do it, man. Let's see. Right, I'm I'm a 29 year old man, and have been with my girlfriend for three years. She's also 29, and we get on brilliantly. And you're ready to just mash it up. We are both really adventurous in the bedroom and love to experiment. We have filmed ourselves making love, indulged in a little bondage and enjoy having sex outdoors. So having a threesome feels like the next natural step. Still doing it wrong. We've talked about the scenario where um, we want to act out and only need to finalise the crucial detail of who should be the third person. Our fantasy starts when she meets a man at a hotel bar, flirts outrageously, then beckons me over and I join them. All three of us go upstairs to our hotel room where we have more drinks. She undresses herself then him, and finally me. Okay. Um, she gives him oral pleasure while I watch. Jesus, cuckold, what is this? Then I join in and have sex with her. Uh, right. That is mad. I love the idea of having sex with her while watching her with another man. Not because I want to be with another man, more I want Oh, to experience this level of satisfaction. I mean, I... Oh, I need to use my words properly here. Uh, I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I mean, like, I'm... I know of that. There you go. 
I, I know of men wanting to see their woman satisfied by another man. I know of that. But, um, right. But still, that's, that's nuts. Um, the only problem is she wants the third person to be a complete stranger, while I would like it to be a friend of mine. I said this was the better way round, right? Unless that complete stranger is not a complete stranger. Why do you want to be a friend? Let's see. I want my friend as I feel I can trust him not to let things get out of hand with her. She says it's better to have a stranger involved, someone who isn't a part of our lives. Now I'm concerned. Does she mean she fancy... What? Now I'm concerned. Does that mean she fancies my friend and is worried about him falling for, falling for him? And she's like, are you dumb, mate? No. That isn't what she means, you idiot. It's just like, again, how are you meant to just hang out with each other? With my man's been in your missus' mouth. With you there. It's just like, no. Um, he's really good looking and looks after after his fitness. Does she think that she and he might cross the line if they got together? You're crossing the line by inviting him. I just, I... Ah... Uh, like, why would you want him involved? If you're already feeling this insecure about the idea of him potentially being involved, why are you pushing for him to be involved? It's dumb. Take the stranger, do this nonsense, go home. Don't bring your mate in it. Because oh, the way I'd be talking in the WhatsApp group, not a chance I'll keep this a secret. I would keep it a secret to respect your missus, but not to respect you. This is This is banter. And if you two are open about your sex life, oh, then it's coming out in the WhatsApp group. It's coming out in the lads' banter. Never guess what happened this weekend. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Sneaky spouse. My husband has been sneaking off to meet a female friend and makes our son lie for him. How old is your son? Please make the son like a teenager at least. If your son's like eight, what an arsehole. Dear Deirdre, driving through our town one Sunday morning, I saw my husband, my children and an older woman who my husband drinks with sitting outside a cafe. Okay. Um, he told me it is too early to go out as a family. Oh, nuts. It's not the first time he has snuck off to see this woman, but now he's involving our children. Mad. I don't have a problem with his friendship with her, but he's sneaky about it. Yeah. I'm 43, my husband's 45, she's 51. The children kept uh, keep letting slip they see her. Uh oh I know where she parks and which suite she buys them. The children, both boys, are nine and seven. I said eight. I said eight. These kids are either side of that. Jeez. I questioned them gently yesterday about what they did in the morning and they were worried about telling me. They said daddy had told them uh, I would be furious. I reassured them that I hadn't done that they hadn't done anything wrong. I'm scared of confronting my husband, but I'm more worried about the impact involved the children these lives will have on them. Yeah, listen, your husband needs to stop using your kids as life. He wants to meet this woman, just be honest about meeting her. Why is he finding the, the feeling the need to lie about meeting her makes it seem more suspicious, right? Like, especially if you said you're okay with their friendship, and I don't understand why he feels the need to lie. It's a bit nuts for me. Um... Uh, last one, boozy mum. My wife often drinks two glasses of Prosecco before doing the school pickup. Yes! Now, seriously, alcoholism, she might be depressed. But if she's not, she just wants to get on the lash, on the afternoon lash. 
Oh, what kids pick up the kids at 3.15? Oh, what time is it? 2.50, 10 to 3. Come on, another Bellini. Yes, another Martini. Yes, here we go. Another glass of Prosecco. And then you go and pick up the kids. I like kids. <laughs> oh, God, Jacob, your mum's always pissed. She's like, no, she's not. What's wrong with your mum? Why is she leaning on the fence like that? Oh, no. Anyway, dear, dear, dear it's not usual uh, for my wife to, to drink two glasses of Prosecco before she does the school pickup. She's every day, 10 glasses of Prosecco before the school run. Um, if we have no Prosecco wine, she'll have a few gin and tonics. Then she tops up when she gets home. Come on. No, she sounds depressed. She, I'm petrified she'll have an accident and end up hurting someone. She's trying to cut down and some days manages not to drink before the school run. But she still drinks more often than not. I'm 41. She's 38. We have a daughter who's eight, and a son, uh, the son who's six. All right. Um, let's see, I have to work to keep the bills paid, so I can't do the pickup instead of her. This can't be good for her, and I'm concerned about her long-term health. We are talking over her problems but she begged me not to speak to her family about this as she's very proud well she's obviously not very proud she's actually the opposite she's ashamed rather than proud and um maybe you should talk here's the thing don't talk to her family to because then her trust your trust breaks down but you need to tell her that you're going to tell her family because you're worried about her and you feel like she needs as much support as possible because, yeah, I said, if you're proud of something, you don't keep it a secret, right? You're proud of people, you see you your boys, say, yeah, I'll have a few proseccos while I pick the kids up. The fact you know you shouldn't be doing that means there's something wrong with it. So it's just that simple. A lot of things in life we complicate, me included. Like I said, we, we complicate it. We know, we, we know instinctively this is the right way to do something, this isn't the right way. And when we know we're not in the right, we lie about it. We obfuscate the truth. We omit some of the, the facts and the details. We start doing mental gymnastics. When you're just doing something that's nothing wrong, or you're proud about it, you, you don't find it difficult to explain or do. Where was you last night? Oh, I went to Tesco. Yeah, that was a difficult to say. I went to Tesco because that's where I was. And I went to Tesco on my own. And that's it. You don't have to do any mental gymnastics. But then someone asks you a question, you do something dodgy. Well, where were you last night? Oh, you know, because um, the the event I was at kind of overrun, and you know, so there was a group of us having to talk, and and you know, so what 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 are you saying? Why is there so many words? Just like I don't care. So I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, my throat's dry. I think I've been talking for an hour, almost an hour. Let's keep it just under an hour. Um, yeah. So, hey, back gigging. I need to start listing all the gigs on websites and stuff. Um, there's a few gigs on my website for this month. I haven't, for next month, I haven't bothered putting all of them. But I need to list them, so maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that when I finish this pod. Anyway, people, that's the end of the pod. Uh, I've been down Griffiths. This has been down Griffiths Brain Dump. It's not episode one, it's still episode 224. Peace. <laughs>